Go ahead. Take a seat. Good morning and welcome to Cornerstone Church. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Ben. I'm one of the leaders here and I have the privilege of bringing to you God's word. So if you could grab your Bibles um, and head to 2 Peter. Now, if it's the first time you stepped into a church building and you do not yet have a Bible, there should be a Bible in front of you, and that is our gift to you. So take that home with you if, if that's the case. But great to be with you this morning. I feel like I should caveat um, this morning because it's been a strange week for me as I've kind of led up to, to bring in um, opening God's Word with you guys this morning. My wife happens to be heavily pregnant, and so at any point she could go into labor, in which case Carl is my backup. So, but it's great to be with you guys this morning. Um, turn to 2 Peter. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to read from verse 12. So let me give you a second to, to turn there in your Bibles. If you're joining us for the first time, we are currently walking through a series in the letter of 2 Peter. So let me quickly bring us up to speed. Peter is one of the apostles called and commissioned by Jesus to build and strengthen God's church. And with that, God gave him specific authority to speak God's word to his people. And so what we read here is, is a letter written by Peter to encourage and strengthen God's people as they continue to follow Jesus. But what's significant about the context of this letter is that it's written to a group of believers who are living in the midst of false prophets and false teachers. People who are claiming to, to be speaking truth when actually What's happening is that they are dragging away believers into ways of living that are distorted and destructive and far from what God wants for his people. Indulging in sexual immorality, lusting after all sorts of pleasures, despising authority, living for greed and selfish gain in the hope of satisfying their own sinful desires. And they're doing this by attempting to draw people away with the promise of freedom. It says in chapter 2, whilst in reality what they're doing is they're leading people back into slavery. And as they do that, it shows that they themselves are enslaved. And so Peter is speaking a letter writing into that context, which is important for us if we're to understand what Peter is saying for them at that point, in that specific moment of time, which helps us to understand what Peter is saying to us today. We heard from Sam last week that, that, that Peter reminds the believers, of God, uh, the, the believers of what God has done in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in delivering his people from corruption that is in the world because of what? Sinful desire. And that God in his grace has united us as believers to Christ so that we as God's people who were once living enslaved to our sin are in fact now growing day by day to live godly lives that are pleasing to him because of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Peter uses the language that, that we are partakers of the divine nature, that God by his spirit lives in us and he's shaping us in, in such a way that we live lives that demonstrate that we are God's people. And Peter reminds these believers that in, in the light of them being given new life and escaping the desires of the world, he says to them, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with knowledge, with self-control, 
with steadfastness, with godliness, with brotherly affection, and above all, with love. Because it's as you do this, as you go after these things in the freedom and power that you have now in Christ, that you will bear fruit. And you'll be kept from stumbling and, and, you'll, and you'll be kept from falling until Jesus returns because, and Peter makes this really clear, it is in that way that you will enter into the eternal kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in that way as you grow in the midst of these things. And so the danger that these believers were face, facing was that if, if they neglected these things and they got sidetracked into a way of living that was, that was full of sensuality rather than what pleases God, they'll end up in a place where actually they should start to question whether or not they are in fact God's, God's people. Whether or not they've actually been saved by God. And so Peter's aim is to stir them up to stir them up to action by reminding them of these things so that they can have more and more reason not to doubt, but to be assured that God has truly saved them. So now read with me chapter 1, verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth you have, I think it is right as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, and as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the mountain, on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and your word is a light to our paths. We pray, Lord, by your spirit, open our eyes to see that this morning as we hear from you in your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Peter is writing this letter to a group of believers and he writes as someone who's on the brink of death. So he says in verses 13 to 14, if, if we look here, I'm writing these things since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. And if you remember, if, we've re- if you've read before in the Gospel of John, what Jesus' words, when he says to Peter, he says, basically, you're going to die a martyr. And now, Peter's been told by God that, that his time has come. His time has come. And it, history tells us that, that, that Peter was lightly crucified at the hands of, of the Emperor Nero in Rome around 67 to 68 AD, not long after the writing of this letter. And so in his dying days, 
As Peter's life was coming to an end, his last moments were spent standing up to the accusations of false prophets and false teachers that were aimed against him, and at the same time, all of the apostles. And this is significant because these are the final words that Peter says before he dies. And Peter Peter knows that that what he says in this moment will be his last chance to do all that he can to strengthen the believers. And he goes to every effort. We see that in the passage. He goes to every effort in making sure that his words not only reach the believers, but Peter's got it set in his mind that he wants not only the words to reach the believers, but he also wants his words to remain with the believers. And he does that by writing a letter a letter that we have here, making it clear for them that what he is saying is from God and that they can trust his words over and against the false prophets and the false teachers who are trying to lead them astray. But he also does, what he also does is he reminds them that they already have the truth. They already have the truth. So in one sense, they don't need Peter. He says in verse 12, even though you know these things and are established in the truth that you have. So let me put it another way. If you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has saved you. God has saved you. Nothing or no one can snatch you out of his hand. That's what what Tom shared with us this morning as we come to worship God through song. Nothing can snatch you out of God's hand, not even the gates of hell. That is good news this morning. That is good news this morning. And that was good news for them as Peter wrote this letter to these believers. But God in his grace through Peter is is providing the means by which the believers continue on in the truth. In the midst of those who are tempting them to question the authority of the apostles and in doing so question the authority and truth of scripture and ultimately the authority of Jesus himself. And so Peter says he's writing these things to stir them up, to stir them. What he means by that is stirring them to action to press on, to make every effort to grow in their knowledge of Christ. They are established in the truth. But to continue on in the truth is to intentionally pursue the things of God. We've been saved by God's grace alone, and it is by God's grace alone, the fact that we are now partakers of the divine nature, that we intentionally pursue God, and as we do that, we see his grace working in us and through us. And so Peter is making a defense of his apostleship, so these believers aren't led astray. And so Peter wants them to know four things about his words that will help them continue on in the truth and not be led astray by those who are seeking to derail them. And the first thing is this. Peter wants wants them to know that Peter's words are based on majesty, not myth. Look at verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of majesty. See, what the false teachers were doing was that they were denying the second coming of Christ. They were denying the fact that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to judge all things. They were denying that, and they were denying the truth of Christ in an attempt to basically justify the way that they were living. But also to justify that the way they, they wanted their followers, they invited their followers to live. There's no future judgment, so basically just enjoy your life, do what you want. That's what they were saying. 
And what we're talking about here are false prophets and teachers among the people who Peter later says will secretly bring in destructive heresies. So they were creating myths, ideas about God that weren't true in an attempt to gain a following. So they were led by greed. They were, they were exploited people. They enticed people to get what they want. What did they want? Money, reputation, control, power, pleasure, whatever they could get their hands off. That's what the false teachers were after. And so how they were doing that was slight, slipping in these heresies about God to, to pull God's people away. Now, Peter calls them out here, and he's like, these, these guys know how to play the game. These guys understand the human heart. They're clever. They come up with ways of leading people astray that actually, are, that actually work, that are straight up effective. And the reason it works is because if you're not careful, you don't even realize that it's happening. So do you ever get them moments, right? When you had a conversation with someone in the week, right, just follow on with me here. And maybe you've been talking, maybe if you think about the last past week, it's been about, well, I'll say 40 degrees, it's been 30 degrees, but we in England can't cope with that. But, you, you, you know, you're talking about how hot it's been in the office, right? And you're just, you're just struggling to work. And then what you do is you come home, what you, do, you open up your phone, you get up Instagram, and the first thing that comes into your head is a, is a portable desk fan created just for you for your office, a one-time only deal sponsored by Amazon. And then, you, and then, and then what you do, before you know it, you're genuinely contemplating spending $15.99 for something you think you need until you come back to the realization that you live in England and, and although it's hot in this week that we've had together, on Monday morning it's going to be cold, wet, and rainy. You clearly don't need to spend $15.99 on a fan, right? But, but, you, but you see what I'm saying? You, we can quickly get taken by things. Now, I'm not saying that Instagram's full of false teachers and prophets. It might be. I'm not saying that. That's not the point. The point is if we're, we're naive, if we think the way, that that's just the way Instagram works, right? Like we're naive. There is someone behind the apps and the technology who, who we use who is feeding off the desires and wants and felt needs of all human beings and they're making a heck of a lot of money in the process. That is clever. And so these false teachers were playing off the desires of the human heart, knowing that they could win some people along with them by teaching ideas about God that weren't true, so that people felt justified in living lives that weren't godly. And where this gets more real is that we live in a time where there's a lot of heat around certain issues regarding sexuality, regarding gender, regarding marriage, and what people will do is attempt to keep people in their church buildings and keep their followers, and how they'll do that is they'll loosen what is clear in Scripture so that people's sinful desires aren't challenged and they stay in their churches. And I feel like I should say this. If you're at a church where you don't feel challenged, maybe you're not in, the ch in, in a church of the Lord Jesus Christ because Christ calls us to faith and repentance. Peter says that we're not following man-made myths here. These things aren't made to keep you following us, but what we're saying comes directly from God because we want you to keep following him. 
And the reason he can say that is he's looking back to a specific moment in history when Jesus led Peter and James and John up in the mountain. And what did they see? Before their eyes, they saw the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Peter is saying in this moment, in the face of accusations against him, being an apostle and the truth about Jesus' second coming is that his authority doesn't come as an attempt to win followers, but his authority comes from the fact that he has seen God and he has heard from God. Peter and the apostles speak with authority because of the fact that they have seen the the risen Lord Jesus Christ. They have seen the glory of God and that qualifies them as apostles. That qualifies them. But what is so striking about this, before we're tempted to raise them up above us as more important in God's sight or more qualified for the kingdom or more worthy because of what they saw, Peter also wants us to know this. Number two, Peter's words flow from grace, not greed. Look at verses 17 to 18. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the mountain. Peter is saying that the reason we saw these things on the mountain were because when God gave God the Father gave honor and glory to Jesus on the mountain when he said over him, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We heard the same voice. And the reason we heard the same voice was because we were with him on the mountain. He is the reason that we could be in the presence of a holy God. We've just walked through a whole series in, in Exodus, and, in that, and we're thinking about that, that the reality that we come before a holy God. We cannot be in his presence. As you know, when, 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 Jesus, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a lot of sorting out to do. The Bible says that. God says he's going to judge all things, all people. He'll separate the good from the evil. The good will go in. They'll experience the joys of heaven for all eternity. The evil will be cast out, and they'll experience the judgment and wrath of a holy God against sin for all eternity. And I think there's going to be a lot of confusion on that day. Some will be brought before God, and I think they'll know where they stand. They won't put up a fight. They, they know they've led sinful lives. They know that. And I think others will stand before God, and they'll begin to, what they'll do, they'll point to all the different moments in their life that they thought that they did good. They gave money to the homeless person. They never lied or stole their whole lives. They even went to church every week. And they'll be expecting to go in. And you know what God will say to them? It's not enough. It's not enough. And then there'll be another group, and they'll come before God, and they won't look at their lives. But they'll just look up to God, and they'll say, I'm here because of him. And, and, they'll be, and what they'll be doing is they'll be pointing to Jesus. And, and God will say to them, that's enough. Good and faithful servant, enter in. Enter in. 
Let me put it this way. Peter should never have been up on the mountain. Peter should never have heard from God. And Peter, of all people, knew that. How did he know that? He denied Jesus three times. If there's anyone who knew that, Peter knew that. And so Peter says the reason we were up on the mountain, the reason we weren't consumed when the majestic voice spoke over us was what? Because we were with Jesus on the mountain. See, the good news, the good news of the gospel is this. We cannot enter in. We cannot enter in. No matter how many good things we think we've done, no matter how many evil things we have done, before God we are unworthy because of sin, whether small or great in our eyes, we cannot enter in. God in his holiness cannot have us in his presence. If he did, he wouldn't be a holy God. But in his grace, through the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith in him, faith in his works that are perfect where we failed, faith in his death for the sake of our sin, faith in the perfect righteousness of Christ that is offered to all people, we are declared worthy. We are acceptable in his sight, and that is good news for us this morning. Amen? Good news. Peter recognized that he speaks to someone who has received mercy. That's why, that's why he begins his letter to the believers by saying, you guys have a faith of equal standing with us, the apostles. He says that first, first few verses. It's all because of God's grace. See, the false teachers, their words were aimed at gaining a following why they were greedy. They were all about their own gain. That's what, this, what, that's what chapter two is about that Eddie's going to unpack for us next week. They wanted, they wanted to control the people so that they could get what they wanted. See, one of the marks of a false teacher is that what they say is geared towards keeping you with them. And you'll see that because they'll speak differently about the truth of God depending on who they're with. But the mark of an apostle of Christ and God willing, all who faithfully teach the Bible is this. They are concerned above all things whether or not you are following Jesus. Their desire is that you see majesty, that you see and behold the glory of God. And that's, that's, why, that's why John the Baptist, when, 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 he, when he saw that people started following Jesus and started leaving him, he said, I must decrease, he must increase. John's ministry was fulfilled when he knew that people were following Jesus. And so our, our intention as elders of Cornerstone Church, our hope, our prayer for you all is that you follow Jesus. Whether you follow him in the context of Cornerstone Church or another gospel-centered church in this city or beyond, our prayer above all is that you follow Jesus. Pray for us. Pray for us as we seek to lead you well in the midst of that. Pray for us. Peter's words flow from grace. He knew he wasn't worthy, but he'd been made worthy through Christ. And so his words flowed from grace, spoke about grace. Peter's words are based on majesty, not myth. Peter's words flow from grace, not greed. And Peter's, Peter's words rest on fulfillment, not futility. Read verses 19 to 21 with me. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
False teachers were coming in, questioning the teaching of the apostles. They were denying the second coming of Christ in order to justify living sinful lives with no restraint. And Peter gives a a defense, gives a defense to his apostleship by saying, for one, everything I'm saying is based on what God has shown me directly, what I've seen and what I've heard directly from God. But what he also wants them to know is that what he is saying rests on something even greater than what he has seen. Even greater than seeing the glory of God on a mountain, and, and, and it's this, the written words of all the prophets. Look again, look again at verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Now, some translations will say this, we have something more sure. The prophetic word. And I think this is significant because I actually think this is a better translation because the phrase more fully confirmed come from, comes from a word in a Greek which means solid or sure, unshakable, dependable, giving, giving guaranteed support. And, and perhaps an even better phrase gives the sense of it, enough to walk on. And so what Peter is saying here is is that the apostles are speaking in line with the prophetic word, the scriptures, all of the Old Testament. And what they are confirming is that through what they have seen with the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection is that all the promises of God find their fulfillment in him. They are confirming what has been written down since the beginning. And the Apostle Paul also says, all the promises of God, they find their yes in Christ. And so what what Peter is saying is that more sure than anything else in the world that we might read or hear from regarding God, humanity, and the world we live are the written words, the scriptures, the promises of God that are written down for us in this book. That is ground to walk on. See, false teachers, what they do is they come up with new teachings. Teachings that are made up on a whim to gain a following and derail God's people. But Peter is saying his words stand alongside prophet after prophet after prophet as God spoke to them and through them down the years. And they are like a lamp shining in a dark place. So where do you run? Where do you run in seasons of your life where all you sense and feel is the thick darkness that has wrapped itself around you? Before you think about counseling, before you think about a course to enroll on, before you think about medication, before you think about self-help books, before you even think about Christian books, and I'm not slating these things, but before you go to them, run to the bright light that God has given you in his word. Because as you do that, as you trust in the promises that God speaks over you in his, in his word, as you trust in the yes that has been declared over you in Christ, the morning star will rise in your hearts and you will move closer and closer to that day when Jesus comes back and Jesus is going to make right all things. There'll be no suffering, no pain, no darkness, no sickness anymore. Jesus is coming back. 
See, the danger that we have as believers is that we can let a, be led away from all sorts of teachings. All sorts of teachings. We can be led away by our own sinful desires. We can be influenced by all sorts of people who we think have something credible to say about God and how we should live. We can consult the God of Google to research what top scholars say about the doctrines of Christianity. And even as Christians, we can read all the Christian books we want that attempt to unpack the the words in this book. But what Peter is saying is this. If you want to keep yourself from stumbling, if you want to endure the darkness of the world that is opposed to God in every way. Run to the light that is in God's word. Pay attention to what is in this book and let this book guide you, lead you, and shape every decision you make, every relationship you walk in, because that is where light is found. That's how we see. That is how we see. And so the more you do that, the more you'll realize that it's through the word of God the fully revealed word of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ that you have truly become partakers of the divine nature, that you've escaped the corruption of the world because of sinful desire, that you have been called and elected, and that you have been saved for an entrance into the eternal kingdom of Christ. Peter's words are based on majesty, not myth. Peter's words flow from grace, not greed. Peter's words rest on fulfillment, not futility, but ultimately, Peter's words are God's words, and they proclaim God's word. Peter says, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, verse 21. See, Peter, he wanted these believers to know that what he was saying was trustworthy. What he was saying was true over and against the false teachings of the people who claimed to speak with authority. But the one thing he wanted to make clear above all things was this. At the source of all the words of the apostles, at the source of all the words from the prophets throughout the Old Testament is God himself. Jesus himself says about the scriptures in John 5, he says, it is a they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus is the fully revealed word of God. He is the word made flesh. So when we run to the word, we're running not ultimately to a book, but we're running to God himself. That's what happens when we open this book. When we let it soak into our lives day in, day out, we're not reading simply words on a page. We are coming to the creator of the universe. That's what's happening. And Peter, so Peter, Peter knew more than anyone what it was like to be swayed by people, right? To be distracted and to lose sight of things. He denied Jesus before a slave girl. We read, we read, read, if you've read Galatians, you'll know that the apostle Paul calls him out for neglecting the Gentiles out of fear of being rejected by the Jews. And so Peter's life was riddled by being distracted and losing sight. And we have even that picture of Jesus on the, uh, uh, Peter on the boat, and Jesus calls out to him, and Peter, Peter runs to Jesus, and as he takes his eyes off Jesus, what happens? He starts sinking. 
And then there's this scene at the end of the Gospel of John where, where Jesus, Jesus is walking with him along the shore. And Jesus is, tells him of, of how he's going to die for the sake of the gospel. And Peter, Peter turns and he, he looks at John who's standing just behind him. And he goes, what about, what about this man? And Jesus looks him square in the face and he says, Peter, don't worry about this man. You follow me. You follow me. And Peter's last words, so Peter, these these last words to these believers are a, a legacy of Peter's whole life and ministry. That's a picture of redemption right there. Almost like Jesus is giving him one more moment to reaffirm his love for him. And essentially, Peter says to us, Cornerstone Church this morning, you follow him. You follow him. Look to Christ receive his mercy and grace, run to the light of his word, trust in the promises of God, be stirred up to walk in obedience more and more and more. And before you know it, the day will dawn, the morning star will rise in your heart and Jesus will be standing before you on the last day. And you know what he'll say to us? Well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of your master. Let me pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for the light that is given to us in your word. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you that your light is fully revealed to us in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that that light is a good light, that we can run to you, that you're quick to forgive, you're quick to be merciful. So Lord, our prayer is simple this morning. Help us to run to the light of Jesus. Help us in that, we pray. Protect us from distraction. Protect us from things that can lead us astray to believing things about you that aren't true. Lord, help us to be mastered by your word because it is in your word that we have light and it's in your word that we can walk this life until Jesus comes back. Help us in that, we pray. Protect us in that, we ask. For your glory's sake. Amen. We're gonna, so we're going to have a moment here to be reminded tangibly of what God has done for us in Christ. And the Bible says that we, that we take the bread and the wine and we proclaim, and as we do that, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. So I'll say, if you're not a believer, this isn't for you. The Bible says that if we eat and drink in a worthy manner, we drink judgment upon ourselves so if that's you, I want to say, let the cup pass. But I do want to say, use this opportunity to think and consider on things that I've shared and spoken about this morning. And my appeal to you is that you turn to Christ, you run to him, you put your faith in Christ, and then eat and drink and celebrate all that God has done for us. Jesus said, what did Jesus say in John 5? The reason that people, the, the reason that the Jews didn't understand that the scriptures were about him was because they refused to run to him. They refused to run to him to have life. So let's use this time to ask God to show us and help us, Lord, to run to Christ. Let's think about that as we eat and drink and celebrate together.